morning, everyone. Welcome to the International Church of Illness. We're so glad to see so many friends, old, some old friends of the church, and some new faces here this morning. We're so glad to have you. We'll be following the order of worship here in this handout that you got, and um, our organist, Asta, is not here today, so we get some, some acoustic music this morning. Um, welcome. We have the privilege of coming together to worship our Creator and Lord. He has given us access to His presence through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. This Christ is now in heaven, interceding for us to the Father, who now calls you to rest in Him. This morning, remember that if you are in Christ Jesus, you are now able to come to God freely. Rest in this knowledge and hold to this truth. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Please join us in our first hymn, Amazing Grace. So we'll be singing Amazing Grace. If you'd stand and sing, please. We, um, we have some key changes in chapter th- or, uh, verse 3 and then uh, the final verse, so be careful. Christ, let us draw near to God our Father with a true heart to confess our sins and ask him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to forgive us. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. 
We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways. To the glory of your name, amen. May the Father of all mercies cleanse us from our sins and restore us in his image to the praise and glory of his name. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Blessed is the Lord, for he has heard the voice of our prayer. Therefore shall our hearts dance for joy, and in our song will we praise our God. Our responsive psalm reading this morning is from Psalm 34. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Our next hymn is the Old Ragged Cross, and there's an insert in your handout for that one. So as Jenny said, the, the lyrics for the, and sadly not the music, is, is in the insert of the handout. Uh, this, this isn't found in our, our hymnal because it's not necessarily in the tradition of our church. And so um, because we don't have our organist today, I thought that we would depart a little bit from our, our, uh, our typical type of hymns. But this may not be a hymn that all of you know, but it's a song that, that I grew up with and means a lot to me. And, and so I, I hope that you can follow along. Suffered and died to 
pardon and sanctify me so I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown to the old rugged cross I will ever be true it's shame gladly bear and he'll call on someday to my home far away where his glory forever I'll share so I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down I will cling to the cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. Our first scripture reading this morning comes from 1 Kings chapter 19. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second reading and sermon reading uh, is coming from Ephesians chapter 4. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for you're all all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us 
and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And finally, our gospel reading this morning comes from John chapter 6. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. At this, the Jews there began to grumble about him and said, because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws them. And I will raise them up at the last day. It's written in the prophets. They will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes his eternal life, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. This is the gospel of Christ. Praise to you, O Christ. You can please be seated. What's your overall perspective of people in your life? Well, that's somewhat of a broad question. Are people a nuisance? Do they annoy you? Are you frustrated by maybe incompetence at work? Maybe frustrated with people on the street that don't seem to share bike lanes or walking paths or right-of-ways in traffic? Or maybe you love people. Maybe you're a, a very energized person when you're around others. You give people the benefit of the doubt. What's your perspective of other people? Because God wants to transform your world. And I don't mean the, 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 the globe, the earth, but your world, your circle of influence, the people you're around. He wants to transform that world starting with your perspective of other people and how your perspective changes will affect the way you and I live out our Christian lives. So in Ephesians 4, Paul gets into this specifically, but he starts with perspective of other people. And this passage causes me to ask the question, do I think I'm better than others? Maybe not in some superiority complex that, that I'm just better than other people in that way, but maybe... There's another dark side of that, of I deserve something from other people. I deserve something more at least than that person. Paul gets into it in verse 25. He says, put off falsehood. Speak truthfully. Now, when you hear this, you might be saying, well, I don't tell lies. I usually am very honest. I don't tell stories about myself that aren't true. I don't brag I don't exaggerate. But do we take advantage 
of other people's perception of us in order to gain? Do we think that we're better than others and so we say things that may cause other people to either bless us or give us things that maybe we don't deserve but we think we deserve? Or it could be exaggeration. My mom tends to tell me that I exaggerate when I tell stories because I, 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 I guess I have the tendency of trying to make the story sound more enjoyable. At least that's my excuse. But maybe it's just not storytelling. Maybe it's not just telling someone something that's not necessarily true, but maybe it's saying something online or around a table that wants to make someone think something different that's based on a lie to benefit you. And ultimately, this is rooted in thinking that you're better than others or that you should be. But Paul says, put all falsehoods, speak truthfully, not to some random person, but to your neighbor. And not just some neighbor in your neighborhood or someone standing next to you in the grocery store. But he says, we are members of one body. Now, of course, collectively, we could be calling ourselves uh, one body, the human race of equal people. But Paul's talking about people specifically in the Ephesian church. This was happening within the church. People were strategizing in order to look better than other people. They were telling falsehoods in order to gain, maybe, monetarily. I think we can take this as within the church, but also within the, the broader world or the broader community that we're in. But that we're all equal in value. We're not equal in ability. We were watching the, the Olympics last night. There are definitely some people who are much faster than other people. They are not equal. There are people that are smarter, more intelligent, maybe have more business acumen, maybe better students. But we're equal in value, you see. Whether you are superior than someone else in some specific thing, it doesn't make you more equal than that other person. He moves on. He says in verse 26, In anger do not sin. When you're angry, do not sin. Do not break commandments of Jesus when you are angry. Now this could be handled a lot more efficiently by Paul if he just said, hey, don't be angry. But he doesn't say that. He doesn't say don't be angry because he knows that people get angry. But it's what we do when we're angry. You see, if we think we're better than other people based on what we know or maybe our perspective or maybe we have some knowledge that we learn that someone's ignorant of, whether that's in person or online or within our community or within the broader world, how we speak and how we talk to people, even when we have the right to be angry matters. Some people might say, well, in my anger, he says, don't sin. So as long as I'm not sinning, I can be angry more. Some type of license to be angry. But notice that's not the point. So many examples in the biblical text I immediately thought of Jonah when the plant came and grew over him, and he was pleased by the shade that it provided and the heat. 
And then God sent something to kill it, to test Jonah, and he became angry. And God says, do you really have the right to be angry about this? You're ridiculous, Jonah. In your anger, do not sin, but question when you are in your anger. And when I'm in my anger, am I being ridiculous? Because I think I'm better than someone else. But he also says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Or the devil might get a foothold. And this is verse 26. I used to think, don't let the sun go down on your anger means that it's, it's okay as long as I'm not feeling the uh, extremity of anger. That as long as I feel better, it's okay. Don't let the sun go down while you still feel the way that you do. But that's not this at all. Remember, this is about your neighbor. This is about your superiority complex and my tendency to hold grudges. Don't let a devil, the devil get a foothold means that it's not about your emotions. It's not about your feelings, which will fluctuate and get better if you are extremely angry. That, those feelings will come back down. But your bitterness and your anger towards people at the heart level might not, which is a foothold, he says. It's not just a feeling, but it's a resolution. Work through the why of why you're angry with the person, not with you. This is extremely tough for me because the hardest thing to do is to actually communicate with someone that you're angry with. But notice that this is about transforming one's world, transforming one's circle of influence. If you're angry towards someone and you don't resolve it, you may have cordial relations with them, but maybe in your heart you hate them. How does that transform your world for the better? And how does it change our perspective about people around us? Don't let the sun go down your anger means not just don't wait till your feelings go away, but go to that person and resolve in truth and in love and in courtesy to them, not just for your relationship, but for your community. I've noticed more and more people they may be passive in person. They may be quiet in person. One of the biggest struggles, I think, that, that, that affects especially the church today is, is the boldness and the wild speech online. There, there seems to be no repercussion. That person's not in my face. If, if they were in my face, they would probably hit me, and I would have to deal with that. The temptations of our day are different than Paul's. Our community, the people around us, our environment is in person, but it's also online. He moves on, verse 28, don't steal. I don't think very many of us are, are kleptomaniacs or have a problem with shoplifting, but he says something deeper. Yeah, don't steal, don't take from others. Because remember, this is all based on the idea that you're better than someone. If you steal from someone, that means that you deserve what they have, or they don't deserve what they have, regardless of what you do with it. But notice that stealing isn't just about greed, but it's about doing something that's selfish and it hurts someone else. You'll see children sometimes steal things and then destroy it, <laughs> which is really just... 
Well, when we see that happen, we see that, that, that it's rooted in something far deeper. Doing things that hurt and sabotage other people. But instead, notice he says, he doesn't say just don't do that, but he supplies an alternative. He says, do something useful with your hands, meaning something that, that's creative or creates or builds. It's not just about taking something from someone else, but you do something useful with your hands. I think he's talking about vocation. Paul was a tent maker, people around him, like Jesus who he never knew, but was a carpenter. Other, other disciples and apostles were fishermen. Do something useful with your hands. Why? In order to share with other people's needs. See, if we have a problem with being bitter towards other people or wanting what they have or having the desire to sabotage them or to think that we're superior so we are selfishly acting out of our own motivations. He says the way to cure this is to do something that costs you in order to help them. Do you see that in your life? I read these words and I think, man, most of my work is for me. Most of the efforts that I put into my daily life are about me, which makes me question what's my overall perspective about other people in my life. And if that's the case, if I am how I am, how can I possibly transform the world around me through the gospel if I think this way? You might be asking yourself, do I do this? Do I, do I work and put my efforts into the world and into my life in order to share and to help other people? And if the answer is no, like my answer is often no, we have a wonderful opportunity to remember what the gospel is, which is the end of this passage. So we'll get there. The most convicting for me is verse 29. Don't let unwholesome words come out of your mouth. I don't have a problem necessarily with swearing, but I have a problem with saying things that are off color in order to make people laugh in private situations. This is rooted in a problem where I want people to think better of me than I am. I want people to like me. Because I think ultimately it's underneath another layer of I think I'm better than other people and I want people to recognize it. Do you have a problem with this? Saying things you shouldn't say, whether it's to make people laugh or whether it's to make people look stupid online or whether it's to be sarcastic or whether it's, it's causing someone to be diminished in some way. Because Paul says, look, if you're going to have a problem with stealing, the way you combat that is by doing work in order to help other people. And if you have a problem with unwholesome words coming out of your mouth, then your focus should be helping and building others up. This, this phrase, building other people up, is where we, is rooted in the word edify. An edification is a building of something. It's, it's, if you want to take the imagery of building up an altar in order to put sacrifices on it for God, this building is something that's ultimately coming from the motivation to serve God or to worship God. When we build others up, it's like an altar to God that, that transforms our world. 
It's so easy to tear down. It's so easy to be negative. It's so easy to be toxic. But he says, if you want to combat this, focus on building other people up to their needs. And as Christians, especially those who have stronger convictions, we can see this as teaching. I'm just teaching someone. I'm just, I'm not tearing them down. I'm just telling them the truth because they need to understand the truth. But sometimes we use teaching and truth as a weapon to destroy other people. Just because we're right, it doesn't mean we handle things appropriately. And if we remember the words of Jesus, it's not just about truth, but it's about how we say it. Are we there? If, we, if we're using truth to tear down other people, we aren't following the love of Christ. We're following our own ego, and we think that we're better than other people. Man, I'm preaching to myself right now. Build other people up according to their needs so it benefits those who listen. I think what, I, was, I was listening to something the other day, and, and they asked this, they were interviewing this famous person, and they said, how would you like to be remembered? And I thought about, if I was famous and I had this big legacy, how would I want to be remembered? And I think one of the greatest compliments that someone can have on their epitaph is that they were a benefit to those who were around them. If we look back, maybe if we had a magical tape recorder of the things that we said all last week, all the things that we typed, all the things that we texted, all the things that we thought in our minds, would it reveal a perspective about other people that was positive and for their benefit, or would it be self-centered, self-focused, toxic? Our words matter, our actions matter, and if we are Christians, our actions and our words should benefit those who listen to them. Verse 30, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, malice. This is in the church, mind you. The Holy Spirit or the Spirit of God dwelled in the temple in the Hebrew Scriptures. That it, it, it dwelled in this, this specific place and they came there to worship and experience the presence of God. That presence of God through the Holy Spirit is now in each and every one of us if we are children of Christ. So when we act a certain way or say certain things or treat people a certain way, we grieve the Holy Spirit because if we are the temple of God and God's presence is in us and we desecrate the temple by our actions, then we offend God. But where does this rage and bitterness and anger and brawling and slander and malice, this hatred, these heart issues that are deep-seated, that are hard to get to unless we peel back the layers, where do they come from? I think they come from our perspective of other people. Do I think I'm better than other people? Because if I think I'm better than other people and the world is not rewarding me the way I would like, I get bitter. And like a child, I express rage and anger, brawling. If I think that the world doesn't recognize me over someone that I think I'm superior to, I begin to slander that person, bring them down instead of bringing myself up. 
This idea of edification. I'm going to build myself up and tear them down. All of this has to do with our perspective of other people. What is your perspective? Your overall perspective. Not just the, the belligerent person in your life that you can't seem to get rid of. We know what that perspective is towards them. What's your perspective towards most people? It reveals what we want. Bitterness, rage, anger, brawling. Imagine if this was happening actively in our church now. It would ruin our worship. It would ruin the reason why we're here. It would kill our souls. It would kill us spiritually. It would affect the way we relate to God and each other. So he says, be kind and compassionate. Forgive because Christ forgave you. It's easy to say, be kind, you know? Be kind. But why? Because Paul says when you are kind, it shows that you are speaking to someone because you want to benefit them. You want them to be built up. You want your words and your actions to transform the world around you with truth and love and respect and equality. It's not because you're just supposed to. You're supposed to because there's something underneath it that transforms our lives and those around us. The hardest is to forgive, especially when you're bitter and angry. Especially when you feel rage and you're eager. Don't just not sin, but forgive. Why? Because you're a wretch, and I'm a wretch. A wretch is someone who is despicable, someone who deserves punishment, who deserves what is coming to them. If we were to recollect now or have some type of playback of our actions from God's perspective, or maybe the person that you spoke to harshly, or maybe this person that you made fun of or tried to tear down instead of edify. From their perspective, if they were in a court of law prosecuting you for what you did this last week or this last year, would you deserve forgiveness? The answer is no. All of us are deeply broken and have these issues about other people that affect the way we live and the way that we respond. And the most extraordinary phrase in this entire passage is not don't, 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 do, 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 but Christ forgave you and me. Unmerited favor. Unmerited favor, unmerited edification of you and I through an amazing gift of the Holy Spirit that will result in eternity that we do not deserve. Why did he do it? Because that's his perspective of us. That's his perspective of himself. That's what comes naturally to him. That's how he lives. He wants to transform not just the people around him, but the entire world that he created, and it starts with his perspective. His perspective was, I'm going to go and give despite the fact no one there deserves it or loves me. The way that God loves me, at least. 
So he says in chapter 5, verse 1 in the new chapter, follow God's example as dear children. I don't know if he just means children of God or if he's making a poke like you've been acting like children. All these things that I've listed that you see child or children do or things that you've done in the church. This isn't some back alley. This is in the congregation of God. Follow God's example. Because you have been given this great gift, because you have been built up, because you have been put in a place of honor, put people in a place of honor, give people the benefit of the doubt, forgive other people because you've been forgiven. What an incredible message. God has transformed my life so now I can change my perspective about other people and transform the people around me and the world around me. You see, it's infectious, infectious. I don't know which one of those is right. Follow God's example as dear children. Walk in the way of love like Christ. He gave himself as an offering to God. If you hear me saying you just need to change, either I didn't say it right or we're missing the point of the passage. God wants to start with your perspective. Your perspective and my perspective about other people is changed when we start to realize what God has done for us, unmerited. It gives us a sense of gratitude, and it gives us a sense, not just a sense, but divine power through the Spirit to be different. If you're struggling today, Maybe you're angry, maybe you're bitter, maybe you're thinking that you're a victim or you're, you're jealous, or maybe you just sense that, that you're superior to other people and other people may have brought that to your attention. You know what, when you, when you talk, you sound like you think you know it all. If you find yourself in any of these situations, like I do, God wants to transform the world around us starting with our perspective of other people. And the best way to begin that process is to stop and think, how have I spoken? How have I acted? How have I thought? Maybe it's not external. Maybe it's just in your mind. What's your thought life like? If you're super negative, you may be struggling with your perspective of other people. But we have to not stop there. We have to keep going and say, okay, I can't fix this. Only God can fix this. Jesus said it in this passage in the gospel. He said, I am the bread of life. No one sees God, sees God except through me. I'm the one who's come to you. It's through him that we start to see this transformation. It's too hard otherwise. It's impossible. I've tried so hard in my life to live this way because I know that it's true and I always fail but when I do fail it's so necessary that I remember Christ's love for me and for you it changes the way that we respond to people what's your overall perspective of people in your life in your family, on the street, online, at work, maybe even in your own house. 
God wants to transform that world. And according to this passage, it starts with that perspective. Let's take a couple minutes, as we normally do, just to reflect. Maybe it's a time of confession. Maybe you know exactly what it is that's holding you back. Or maybe you're like, I don't really know what's wrong. I just know that something's wrong, and I'm not happy. This is a perfect moment for you to stop and to say, God, please, through your Holy Spirit, reveal to me what it is. And when you figure out what that is, because he will reveal it through someone, and it's probably through someone that you don't like. (laughs) When God reveals that to you, be humble and say, yeah, that's it. Because he wants to edify you. He wants to build you up. He wants to transform your world. Let's take a moment, and then we'll stand and say what we believe through the Apostles' Creed, but don't miss this opportunity to be quiet, especially in a place like this. Wonderful opportunity to learn something new. So let's take a moment to pray, and then Jenny will come up and lead us uh, in the Apostles' Creed. Please stand and join me in reciting the Apostles' Creed. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always, and also with you. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to come together 
We pray that you would transform our perspective through the knowledge of you and through the knowledge of your gospel. We pray that you would remind us of who we are in Christ and where we stand, not only in your eyes, but how we stand in our own perspective of ourselves. I pray, God, that you would help us to live in ways that are honoring to you and edifying to other people. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, we pray for our world, which seems broken and full of, of darkness, which is ultimately coming from temptation, from evil, demonic forces in the world, but also our own desires to tear others down. I pray, God, that you would fight this through us, through your spirit, through your gospel. Thank you for your victory over evil and darkness. We pray that we would live in that victory. We pray against evil things and dark things that have happened recently. Natural disasters, ongoing wars, famines. People are put in places where they weren't meant to be. We weren't created to experience these things, Heavenly Father. We pray for transformation. We pray for mercy as we seek to recover from things and other people who experience life-changing events, dr dramatic and, and horrible things that we could never even imagine. God, we pray that your mercy would be upon them. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lastly, God, we pray for Vilnius. We pray for this city. We pray that you would use ICV in this city to make a difference, that you would transform this town, this city, through us and through people who are seeking you. God, we pray that you would fill uh, this pulpit soon. We pray that you would bring the right congregants to us that want to invest here, that want to build up this small community. We pray, God, that your will would be done in, in Vilnius and that we would see the fruit that you want to grow here. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And we'll close with the Lord's Prayer, which is printed on the back of our bulletin. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Our last hymn is, is also found in the insert. It's not in our hymnal. It's called Wonderful Merciful Savior.
face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen. Go in peace. Serve the Lord. Thanks be to God. <laughs>